Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Under the Spotlight podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. This podcast is a collaboration between Why Football and Breaking the Lines, addressing key topics in the Premier League and English football generally. Today's episode is the second part of our interview with former Ostersund defender Bobo Salander. Bobo made over 150 appearances for the Swedish club and was part of Ostersund's infamous rise from the fourth tier of Swedish football to the first tier, the Allersvenskan, under Graham Potter. In this second part, we will continue our discussion around Graham Potter, Potter's philosophy and management style, and we'll discuss what the future holds for the English manager. It's it's so difficult to make it in England that you probably have a lot of players that try it at a club, a big club, say West Ham, or even like a championship club, don't make it, get demoralised, just give up. Whereas yeah. for a lot of those players that actually could actually forge a career in other other countries, it's it's daunting because, as you said, in, in the fourth league, fourth tier, you might have to get a part-time job, which as well as starting a new team in a new country, learn a new language, there's so much to it. It's yeah. easy to say, oh, they should just go, or a, a player should go abroad, whether that's from England to Sweden or Sweden to England or Sweden elsewhere. Fair play to the to Potter and the club for, for bringing those players in because you, you are taking a gamble uh, on them. Um, but you, you take a gamble of every player ever bring in. That, that's the mm. truth. But just to find yeah. that talent and find that talent that you want to work with and that you think you can develop. Because if you look at it now, you got two of them are playing in the Premier League now. Mm. And I think I think Saman Godelsen can say But just like it's, it's not you, it's not normal for a Swedish player to come to the Premier League. It's not many mm. Swedish players that succeeds in the Premier League. So, so have two players that played in Östersund and that come from the second. Like when we went up to Allsvenskan, we took them from Superet on the second highest division with us because we thought mm. those were like the two two of the best players. But no other team really wanted them that much, so we we could sign them, and that, that's that's quite shocking if you see where they are now. Like. That no mm. other team really. I want that talent in my my squad. Yeah, it's it's no surprise to see someone like Goddard come through at Brentford because they're a side that have a like a B team. They go out, so I used to go out before like Brexit laws made it more difficult. They would take their B team out to the continent, and they would instead of playing in the under twenty three leagues in in England, they would just go out and play friendlies with other other nations. Or sorry, other teams from other nations. Okay. Pick up pick up players that you know in the second division of the French league or wherever. Yeah. And pick players up, so it's no surprise to see someone like Godos come through at, at Brentford, for example, um, because they have that kind of progressive way of bringing players in. Um, but yeah, so, so moving on to, um, I had I've done quite a bit of reading around Potter recently. And we've got I've got a few kind of like anecdotes and, and quotes from other players that have like talked about have talked about Potter and so Douglas Bergvist, I believe, yeah. is it Ostershund. He talked about you know we've talked we've talked loads so far today about. Potter in terms of coach football the culture side but he just talks about how big Potter is on the mental health side of of things and like the human being side of being a football player which a lot of people particularly those not that close to football or that interested in football seem to forget about that they are human beings is that something that you became aware of when yeah. you joined yeah I think like and I think that was a process from him as well how to I think he always had a good heart and always cared about player, but and player then and stuff around him. But like how to evolve that to football. But the thing was like, if you feel good, if you're enjoying yourself, you're gonna perform on the football pitch. Mm. It's, it's 
quite easy. If, if you're unhappy outside of football, you probably aren't going to perform on the football pitch. So, so if you do everything right within the culture of, of the club, you, you might lose it because every player is unhappy where they are. And if, if you look at it, Östersund is a, is a small town in the north of Sweden, like mm. nothing is close to us. And if you don't <laughs> like snow, if you don't like winter, if you don't overly enjoy the cold summers, Östersund isn't mm. the perfect place to be. And, and you need to understand that to make to be successful in, in Östersund and UFK and like that, you need to have different things that players going to come for. And different things mm. that's gonna make them happen. Every player and every person has different things that they want to accomplish, like what they need to 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 be happy. Some players need an extra day off, and some players needs, I don't know, to have their family there a lot. So mm. to accompany that is one part of to be successful, I think. And I know we had we have had a few players where Graham wanted them to stay. But mm. they say like, no, I'm not happy here. I think like, so instead of okay, it's more it's more important for UFK for them to be okay where they are than to them to play for UFK. So mm. he does, doesn't want to force them to stay, even though he could. Yeah, so, so I think that that's a way of looking at it. Like, if you, you're not happy here, you're not gonna succeed here. So then then you can leave with yeah. Mm. money involved and stuff like that but but it's more important to be happy than to be uh, to be miserable where you are mm. yeah definitely that seems like the almost the, like the logical or obvious approach that any coach should take but as you mentioned there's money involved and you know if the club doesn't want to let that player go he has to be Potter has to be in the middle of that and say okay well I want to benefit you as a, as a person but yeah. yeah, find 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 some middle ground how how to how to make it work. Like, and I think mm. I think that's one of the big things because you heard of players that just been stuck at clubs just because they have a contract instead of finding a solution that makes everyone a winner. Because because mm. every player that leaves UFK with a feeling that oh the UFK did what was best for me, not what was best for them. They they're gonna talk good about UFK, talk good about Graham, and like and yeah. that that's gonna be good for UFK in the long run. Because then you mm. can take players there on a chance for the players. If they're not happy, they know they can leave. So I think that was a smart thing to do when the times he did it. Mm. And I also read uh, it's Bergfest, which was actually in a BBC article that he um he provided interviews for. I think it was last year. Um, that just like you said, you know, Potter always knew what the opposition were going to do. He played different systems and was able to change personnel. He was a tactical genius, is the way that he referred to to Potter. I'd actually read. I think it was Ollie McBurney had said that. Oh, it was just actually no. I think it was just a, um, some commentary on the on the championships saying that he'd played ten different systems or ten different formations throughout his just that one season at Swansea. Like I say, he'd he'd set up with ten different formations across that time. Um, so I mean that that just kind of brings true to what you said earlier about how meticulous he is as a as a planner. Yeah, but I think as well, like you you talk about tactics and formations and everything like that. He always wanted to 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 play in the same way with possession. He wanted to control the game. That that's like the end game. He he wants to control the game. If he can't with the ball, if he can't without the ball, but control what the opposition does. 
So it didn't really matter if you played with a back three, back four, back five, mm. as long as everyone knew how to control the game. I think that was the big thing for him. Like, if everyone knows what we're doing out there, it doesn't matter how we put up our players if everyone knows the movement. Because a back, like a 4 4 2, can look the same as a 5 2 3. Yeah. Because of movement, so mm. uh, I think I think that's one of the big things. It didn't matter what he did; everyone had the information and got the knowledge from him how to perform in that formation. But from mm. the outside, it looks crazy. Mm. <laughs> but for every <laughs> player, crazy. it's easy because because he's so good at explaining and doing that during training session, video meetings, and just personal chats with every player. Like mm. so, they prepared. That was going to be my my next point was we've talked about so much and heard so much about how, as I said, different systems to start a game with, moving to different systems within a game. I know the word systems is subjective, depends how you define it. As you mentioned, a formation, people get hung up on formations, a 4-4-2, a 4-5-1, whatever. Um, It depends on movement. Um, but how how does it actually work in practice in the game? Is it is it is it just that? I know I've just got to, I'm trying to, I'm probably digging here, but how does it actually work in the game? Is it kind of a patterns of play thing or phases of play, play thing where players know where to be when certain events occur and that therefore creates a different shape? Or is it like a Rafa Benitez style, you know, puts up these hand signals <laughs> and you change shape? I, I never changed shape from a hand signal. I can, I can tell you that. <laughs> I, think, I think it's more like if you look at the AFK, we had... Uh... We had most of the time Broa Nore, so so the the communication between Graham and Broa could be like, okay, we need that. So if we played with a maybe say we play four, two, one, three, and, and he wants to go more offensive, he, he could push one of the defensive midfielders up. So we play a four, one, two, three instead. Mm-hmm. Like it could be small things like that during a game, or you talked before during the game if you if you play a four, four, two, that okay, if they do certain things i want the right midfielder to drop back as a right wing back push mm-hmm. in the right back to so we do a back three like stuff like that during the game and you can have different formation offensively or defensively and just be ready for that if they do this if he pushes on and like so now nah, i think i think it's more like we knew this was the starting thing and and sometimes he just it changed depending on what the opposition did, mm. but but sometimes he changed formations. And I remember one time in Superetton, he changed formation on the bus trip towards the game. So we had a meeting; <laughs> everything was done. It's like half an hour before we came to the to the stadium. He he just looked back at the bus, called up Ruanore, who was the captain of the team, and said like. They sat there and talked for 10 minutes. All of a sudden, he called up me. I was supposed to play central defender. Uh, mm. You're going to play striker today. Uh, and uh, we changed. I think we were supposed to play with uh, five, two, three, and we played uh, four, four, two, or four, three, three. And mm. then when we had the lead, we changed in the second half to the, to, to the formation we talked about before the game. So. Mm. He could do small things that wouldn't change for everything because everyone was sure what they were doing. So he could do those changes because oh he found out the pitch was awful, so he needs someone to to take down the ball up front. 
so we can mm. like so we did we didn't get too far pushed back mm. you're certainly being too modest about your own playing your home playing style when not only are you getting chucked up front <laughs> <laughs> no no but, but i think that's the that's the thing i wasn't i wasn't that good of a footballer but i was good physically i could mm. run i could could compete for the ball and and stuff like that so that that was I always gave it my all. That was my thing. So it didn't really matter if I played defender or striker. He knew mm. what kind of striker he gets when he put me there, or what kind of defender he gets when he puts me there. But with the ball, I wasn't that good as a footballer. So I'm not mm. really being modest. I'm just being honest about my own cap- <laughs> capacity. So, so, so Bobo, you, you kept that quiet. You actually played up top as well under Graham Potter as well for a bit. How many games did you actually play up top? Was that a one-off or did this happen on quite a few occasions? No, no, I, I think like with Graham, I'm 50 50 maybe. Oh, really? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. The, yeah. the numbers don't lie. The numbers hence, do not lie. Hence, hence, <laughs> the, hence the 24 goals there. Okay, this, okay, so it's a mix and match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, well, you wasn't just a defender ah. that scored a goal. I think I think I, I subbed in in the when the, qualify, when the qualifying in the EuroLeague as a left winger or left midfield. Okay. How, how did that experiment go? No, we won the game and got through. So. <laughs> Good stuff. Gets yeah, us yeah. very, very well then. That's that's uh, that's that's brilliant. That level of flexibility. Uh, whether you say you're not very good with the ball at your feet or not, that's uh, yeah, that's brilliant stuff. And obviously Graham recognised that. So yeah, clearly he's he's got an eye for being able to move people where he needs to be for yeah. the best of the team. Yeah, because I think we had like one time in AFC we played like with seven central midfielders on the pitch at the same time. Mm. so it's like everyone was used to playing central midfield but one played on the right wing back and one played left like striker because just if you know what to do and how to use it it's, it's no problem everyone can play everywhere mm. yeah he's been he's been said to do similar things at brighton where he's got a hot where he used to have a whole host of central defenders playing everywhere and in midfield i know that ben white occasionally played in midfield and then we had dan Byrne, who was sometimes playing at right wing back when Tariq lamptey was injured so that the, the central defenders were pretty much anywhere on the pitch where he could possibly fit them so i'm not surprised i'm not, I'm not surprised he was doing that with center midfield uh, in his previous days yeah and so above you you actually I, I read a guardian article actually where you'd um contributed some stuff from 2019 and this is more looking at like you know what's next for for Graham Potter I know you said before the the call that you you know an avid watcher of English football you're a big AC Milan supporter um but you said that you don't think Potter's journey will be done at Brighton and he could be a top four coach do you still believe that and if so how far do you think he can go I think I think he's the only one that sets the bar on how far he's gonna go and wh- where he's gonna go. I think mm. what he's doing now is unbelievable. I think most people in the football community sees that, and I think uh, the team that gets him is gonna be lucky. If that's what top four team or the national team of England or whatever it is, I think I think he's gonna succeed. Mm. Because yeah, Ollie McBurney actually said that. Um, he's the best manager I've had on a personal level, and I think he could be um, one day the England manager. Because we've—I was trying to think back before um, before we started as to has there been a what? Who was the last kind of English manager to manage at the like at the top four side or, or a top four side? And you'd probably say that it was Roy Hodgson, who <laughs> was also England manager. Yeah. Um, we had like Ryan Mason was at Tottenham for a short while after his injury and coming through as a coach, but. 
um, it's in the English game, you know, some of the most successful managers are all, um, they're not English really, you know, Ferguson's Scottish, we've got Mourinho is obviously Portuguese and I wonder if he can be the next or the you know, kind of the, the first real successful English Premier League manager. Uh, Premier League manager. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope. I, I hope and I think so. I think, but that that's the commitment to the game he he puts in. I think it's it's always working hard for for all the players in within the squad. I think that's one of the secrets that he he puts in that much work. Mm. Yeah, I mean the glowing reviews I've read from from everyone that I've like any sort of quote that I've taken from any article has always been so glowing and you know that can't be a coincidence um not that you expect players to come out and start firing shots in articles but <laughs> that's uh yeah this is no coincidence um at all so finally Bob, my final question was going to be what's next for you I think you said you were trained to be a police officer yeah. um and you're not you're not playing football anymore, are you? At all? No, no, I don't play football anymore. I, I've re- retired at last. <laughs> I <laughs> managed heard. to retire, so that's that's good for me. I retired yeah. two times, three times during Graham's career in the EFCO, and he he called me back. Very persistent. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for today. Uh, thank you again, Boba, for joining us uh, and discussing all things Ostrichians and Graham Potter. Uh, we'll be back next week for another instalment of the Under the Spotlight podcast brought to you by Y Football and Breaking the Lines. Uh, have a good week and we'll see you all next time. Cheers, Bobo. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you have any other questions, just be in touch. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, Bobo.